Hey, we're going to dive into our teaching time. We are in a series called Jesus, God and Man. We know that Jesus is 100% God. He's also 100% man. He's God in the flesh. And we've been going through the book of Luke, uh, getting a closer glimpse of Jesus, his, his birth, his life, his ministry. And so we're going to spend uh, a lot of time in the book of Luke, not chapter by chapter, verse by verse for the next whatever years, but just portions and sections. And so we're continuing through the book of Luke. Today, we're going to find ourselves in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. So I invite you to open up your Bibles, Luke 5, verse 12, a reminder that we kind of consider ourselves a BYOB church, bring your own Bible. So hopefully you all have a Bible or a Bible app on your device that you can use so that you can hold God's Word, read it with your eyes. Just don't take our word for it. And if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one for free. Stop by the Information Center on the way out, grab a Bible. And also, uh, we're going to have the text of today's passage on the screen if you don't have anything in front of you uh, in this moment. And we're going to see this very, uh, a very powerful interaction between Jesus and a very desperate man here in a second. And the big idea I want us all to rally our hearts around today is this. Jesus can cleanse anybody. Jesus can cleanse anybody. When you look in the rearview mirror of your life, there are things that you have in your past that you thought maybe God didn't love you, God wouldn't want anything to do with you, you felt shame, you felt guilt, and you know what? You heard about Jesus, you heard about his death on the cross for your sins, you heard about his resurrection from the grave to give you heaven and eternal life and a restored relationship, and you believed, and at that moment of belief, you were cleansed. And all that stuff that you felt shame over, all that stuff you felt guilty over, God said it's gone, it's past, it's done. I'm giving you new life. And so if you're in Christ, you have new life in Christ, and we celebrate that and we walk in that. We're not going to be chained to our past and chained to our mistakes. And some of you here today might still be in a place where you don't know Christ. Our hope is that today you'll hear about this God who loves you so much, that's made a way for you to be restored back in relationship with him, and that you'll take that step of faith today. Also, as we think about Jesus cleansing anybody, not only does that apply to any of us here that maybe feel like we're too dirty that God wouldn't love us, but we think of family members and friends and neighbors and coworkers and people that don't know that Jesus can cleanse them from their sins. And he's given us a mandate. He's given us a commission to go and to let them know. And so let all those things permeate your mind and heart today as we look at this passage. Join me please. Luke chapter 5 verse 12. I'm just going to read a little, teach a little, read a little, teach a little, read a little, teach a little in that rhythm today. Starting with verse 12, Luke 5. While he, this is reference to Jesus, was in one of the cities, we don't know where, somewhere in the region of Galilee, right? Somewhere by the Sea of Galilee in Israel. While he was in one of those cities, there came a man full of leprosy. I want to stop there because I think we're going to have an instant disconnect not understanding the situation. Let's talk about uh, your favorite topic you couldn't wait to talk about today when you showed up to church. Leprosy, okay? I know that was all in your mind. when you. Oh, I hope we talk about leprosy today. Biblical leprosy made a person unclean. It became their identity. If you were a leper, you were a leper. That's what you were known as. That's what you dressed as. That's what you claimed to be. You were an unclean person. And, and, and biblical leprosy could have been anything in the skin as simple as psoriasis and rashes, all the way to like ringworm, up to the most severe case, which is something we know today is called Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease attacks the flesh and then drills down even deeper into uh, the muscle tissue and to the tendons and drills down even deeper because it's in the sinus cavities, the respiratory system. It's basically a slow death. And people with the most severe cases um, would live anywhere between 9 to 20 years maybe 
And it was, every day was a day of suffering. And it's a situation that was debilitating. Uh, just brace yourself. I just want to show you some pictures of some modern-day leprosy uh, that give you an idea of the type of conditions that we're talking about and what they range from. Because as that Hansen's disease progresses, you see disfiguration of the skin. You start to lose limbs eventually because of the decay of the body. There was another Bible commentator um, that re referred to leprosy as living death. And so this was a condition, again, from slight skin diseases all the way to this most severe case. And in God's people, it was so bad that uh, God wanted to make sure that the leper who, if he sneezed on you, could you know, uh, tr you know, transfer the, the bacteria in this progressive and chronic disease. Um, he wanted them outside of the general community. And so for your reading pleasure, if you ever want to read through Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14, you'll find a lot of information about what the priest had to go through to identify leprosy and when they would determine a person unclean, what conditions made a person unclean, and what conditions made a person clean. And then when a person had to go through a process to be cleansed and considered clean. This is a big deal. And so you see here that this man, it says here, was full of leprosy. A lot of you know this, but Luke, who God used to write this passage, was a doctor and a historian. So if he says the man was full of leprosy, he's basically saying this guy had a severe case, head to toe, whatever condition. We don't know what this guy looked like. White skin, maybe, or flesh hanging off. Maybe he had lost limbs. Maybe there was disfigurement. We don't know. But what we do know is that he was considered a leper, and lepers were in a unique category among the people of God. When you go to Leviticus 13, for example, in verses 45 to 46, it talks about how they had to identify themselves and special rules uh, that apply. So I'm kind of plucking a few verses out of those two chapters in the Old Testament. It says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of their head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Imagine your life where if you ever came around people, you had to cover your mouth and shout out, unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. How would that do for your you know, self-esteem in life, right? And it says, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He's unclean. And he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. I want to drill down a little bit deeper into that one. Look at Numbers 5 with me for example on the screen. In Numbers 5 it says, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who's unclean through contact with the dead. Next verse says, You shall put both male and female outside the camp that they may not defile the camp in the midst of which I dwell. This isn't to be mean, it's to quarantine the bacteria and the disease. And what you're starting to see here now, a picture, is leprosy was a physical misery. Like it hurt. And your body was in a condition, you can't, you can't wash it off. The lepers didn't bathe a lot because of the pain and what it would do to their skin. And so the physical misery of how you smelled, how you looked, uh, how you had to identify yourself, the relational misery. Now you're this leper. Nobody wants anything to do with you. And imagine the terror of being with your spouse, with your children, maybe with close friends, and one day a little rash breaks out on your skin. And it grows. And it grows. And you know you have to see the priest. And so you go to the priest and he inspects it and says, this is leprosy. 
you are now considered unclean. Guess what? You and your spouse, you're not going to see them. Your kids, you're not going to see them. You're not going to hold. You may never hold your children or spouse again. And you're going to be removed from the community. You have become banished from the community, and now you have to live outside of the community. And when these were written, the people of Israel were living in tents, right? And so they, they, they were nomads, and they were wandering through the wilderness. They lived in this huge tent camp. And in the middle of the camp was the biggest tent called the tabernacle, which is where the worship of God took place and the presence of God. God temporarily let his presence dwell there. And so if you're removed from the camp, you're removed from the ones you love, and you were removed from God's very presence. It was actually a spiritual misery too. Physically, relationally, and spiritually suffering as a leper. This is this man's condition. And we see something fascinating as we see this man. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there came this man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. We're starting to get a picture now of why this was such a desperate moment for this man, right? We have no idea how long he had this disease. We have no, no idea um, when the last time he had human contact but here's the first thing we see, see. It says, when Jesus was in one of the cities, a leper came to him. Was the leper supposed to be in the city? No. He's breaking the rules. He's not even supposed to be there. This is unusual. And we don't know if he went like into stealth mode and tried to sneak in close to Jesus. It's not likely with what the image we just got of what a leper looked like, smelled like, whatever. It's more likely that he had to cover that lip and just plow and go, unclean, unclean, and probably receive all sorts of verbal curses and people, you know, being mistreating him, trying to get to Jesus. Why was he trying to get to Jesus in the first place? I mean, was it just like, hey, there's a cool looking guy. I want to meet him. No, he had heard, right? If you look at the couple chapters leading into Luke 5, as Jesus was teaching, as Jesus was healing, it said, the word of him went out. Man, there's this guy named Jesus we're healing about. Man, he healed my aunt. My aunt couldn't walk, and she got healed. All Jesus did was touch her. Yeah, same thing. I had an uncle. He was blind. Craziest thing. And Jesus just looked at him and said, see, and he started to see. Word got out, and this leper, in his desperation going, if this man has this power, I've got to get to him. Absolute desperation led him to Christ. And he came to Jesus and says he fell at his feet, absolute humility, and begged him. In Mark chapter 1, you know, because when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's all these camera angles on the different, you know, events of Christ's life. When you look at Mark 1, it talks about how he implored Jesus. He begged Jesus. But here's the thing. Did he question Jesus' ability to make him clean? No. Did he have any question in his mind if Jesus had the authority to make him clean? No. He knew Jesus had the authority. He knew Jesus had the ability. He was questioning whether he was what? Willing. He knew there was something about Jesus. He knew he had the ability. He knew he had the authority and the ability to make him clean. And so he came down and said, if you're willing, Lord, Make me clean. I want to unpack a couple language things there because it's very important. He didn't say sir. He said Lord. We talked about this recently. This is the word kurios in the Greek. It means supreme authority. 
This leper knew that Jesus was Lord. He had supreme authority. He maybe didn't make the connect that he was God in the flesh yet, but he knew he was of God. He knew that this Jesus maybe was God and man, perhaps. But he said, Lord, the one with supreme authority. And he says, you can make me clean. Did he say, you can heal me? No. He said, you can make me clean. Think about this. Jesus healed blind people. Jesus healed deaf people. Jesus healed crippled people. Did any of them have to worry about being made clean? No. They just got to see again. They got to hear again. They got to walk again. This man was a leper. His identity was unclean. And so when he came to Jesus, he said, you can make me clean. It's the word katharizo. It means to purify. A physical, moral, like, you know, re-cleansing. It was a restoration. It was a bigger term. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What happens next? We see what Jesus does. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, note that, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. If you were in the crowd, your mind is blown. Because all this stuff's going like, you're sitting there taking this all in as a crowd. You're thinking about the Jewish law. You're thinking, okay, this guy shouldn't be in here in the first place. And now he's close to Jesus. He shouldn't be this close. Because everyone else is probably like backing up, right? He's getting close to Jesus, falls on his face, and it's like, okay, what's going on here? And then Jesus, here's what's so cool. Jesus could have, in compassion, said, yes, be clean. He could have said, why don't you go wash in the Jordan River seven times, and it'll work for you. Right? He could have done that. But if you look at the Mark passage, passage in Mark 141, uh, it says that Jesus was filled with compassion. And he reached out and did what? Touched him. Are you supposed to touch lepers? No. Jesus is like breaking the law. <laughs> He's breaking the rules here. And what I love about this moment is we have no idea when the last time this man was ever touched by a human. It could have been years since he had human contact. And what I love is that Jesus didn't speak first, he touched first. And then he said, oh, I'm more than willing. I'm very willing. Yes, touch him, I will. Be clean. And in that moment, his leprosy left. Immediately. It wasn't like, well, it'll kind of wear off in a few weeks, just give us some time. It was immediate. Like, we don't know what this guy looked like. What if his skin was all white and flaky? Gone, smooth, looked like a baby. We have flesh hanging off, healed. If you look like any of those pictures at all that we just saw, we don't know. Instantly, if he was disfigured, restored. If he had lost limbs, fingers, hands, restored. This is a mind-blowing miracle. And Jesus cleanses him. This is a beautiful moment. And it tells us about it. This is why we love Jesus so much, isn't it? Jesus can cleanse Anybody. He's willing. Well, look what happens next. Something kind of peculiar. And he, Jesus, charged him. In fact, if you look at the Mark passage, it says he sternly told him, tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is really interesting. So what Jesus does, he just heals this guy, and this guy just got healed from leprosy, and he says, oh, by the way, shh, don't tell anybody. Are you kidding me? 
That's like asking a child not to eat a cupcake and then just sit in front of them for like a day, right? You just sit in there and it's like, don't tell anybody. Why, why is this? We, we think a couple dominant reasons. One, again, Jesus came with a message. His primary ministry was the message of God's kingdom. His message of restoration to God. Jesus came with the gospel. The message was more important than the miracles, yet he did miracles. But every time he healed people, people went out, spread the word, and people who just wanted the miracles with no interest in the message would flock to Jesus and flood him. Right? We see that in the next verse. So, so he's basically saying, like, look, man, help me out. I'm trying not to have a total crazy rush of people, so just shh, go. But here's what he says. Go tell the priest. Go do what Scripture says. There's, there's some people that say that Jesus came and just like, you know, you might as well just cut the Old Testament out of your Bible and throw it away. No, Jesus is telling this leper to go do what is said in Leviticus. Go do what Scripture says, which basically the leper has to let the priest know that he wants to be inspected, his leprosy inspected, to see if he's clean now. And so the priest would then go out. There's a very, very involved process. Uh, Leviticus 14, if you ever want to have a very um, interesting devotional, um, go to Leviticus 14 and read through that, okay? It's this very involved process to consider a leper clean. It's a week long. It involves like sacrificing birds and lambs and being anointed by oil and anointed by some blood. And like this is a very involved process. But if at the end of the process, you're determined clean, you're restored back in the community. So, and a party happens with your family. You get to see your wife and your husband and your kids and your friends and you can go hang out with them again. So you really hope it works, right? So the priest comes, the priest sacrifices, does all this stuff. And if you're considered clean, you go back. Jesus is saying, do what scripture says. Go back to the priest to do all this. Why? As a testimony to them. Put yourself in a priest's shoes for a minute. Maybe they even knew who this guy was. You know, you kind of tend to know who to avoid, right? <laughs> and so this leper comes up like, hey, I'm, I'm healed. Can you verify that? Well, how'd you get healed? Well, this guy, Jesus, touched me. Wait, did he touch you before you were healed or after you were healed? You know, because they they're all bothered by that kind of stuff, right? And all of a sudden, it's, it's very interesting when you look at the passage. So far, this, we're in Luke chapter 5. As we've seen Jesus teaching and doing healings, we have no record yet of any religious leaders showing up. We don't have any Pharisees or scribes yet. Now this leper goes to a priest to be considered healed. Guess who shows up next week when we see Jesus do another miracle? Oh, now there's some Pharisees hanging out. Now there's some priests and scribes. Why? Because they're hearing more and more about this Jesus guy. They have to come and give him the business. You'll see more about that next week. Okay, so that's a whole other topic. But anyways, here's some of the stuff that happens. Leviticus 14, there's all these things, anointings. I want to take you to a couple of really interesting passages. Luke 14, 14, or Leviticus 14, 14, talks about part of the sacrifice. It says, the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, this was a lamb, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who's to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Okay? I hope that makes sense to you. Let's pray. Go be blessed. <laughs> What's up with this? Okay, a couple things. And this is a beautiful image I want to come back to a couple times today because I think it's very valuable. In the process, in this, in this uh, ceremonial verification of their cleansing, 
Some of the sacrifice is then anointed to the right ear, the right thumb, the right toe. Sorry, lefties, it's on the right just because it's more predominant. That's why. It's not, there's nothing against lefties. Um, it's just because that's the, the more common. And then um, why on the right earlobe? So that now as you're clean and you get to be restored back into community, you will listen to the word of God. Why the right thumb? Now that you're clean and you're restored back in the community, it's so that you will serve the God who allowed you to be clean, to serve him with your hands. And why the right toe? So that as you've been clean, you will now walk in the ways of the Lord. This is a beautiful picture. Like you look at this goofy stuff in Leviticus, go like, what's this about? It all has meaning. It all has significance. And the one who's clean is not only pronounced unclean, now they're pronounced to go and to listen and to serve and to walk in the ways of God. It's a beautiful thing. And the priest has all this authority and responsibility. In fact, when you look at Leviticus 14, 19, it says that the priest shall offer the sin offering, this lamb, to make atonement. Blind people didn't need atonement. Crippled people, it was, this was the atonement for the unclean leper. Make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanliness. And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. The priest has the authority now as kind of a mediator between God and man to say, I, I consider this person clean. And he sacrifices the lamb, makes atonement for the leper who's now clean. They get to go back and celebrate me with their friends. Isn't that an awesome picture? It's a great picture. But there's so much more here that the Lord has in mind for us, I believe. <clears throat> because leprosy is a graphic image of our sin. Leprosy is a graphic image of our sin. What is sin? Sin is not meeting God's standard. Sin is when God says not to do something and we do it. Sin is when God tells us to do something and we don't do it. So any sinners in the room? Yeah, all of us, okay? And if you didn't raise your hand, sinner, okay? <laughs> We're all sinners. Our sinfulness is spiritual leprosy. Our sinfulness makes us unclean. Our sinfulness takes us outside of the camp. Our sinfulness takes us outside of God's presence. Our sinfulness busts up relationships. It's sin that's causing tension between you and your spouse, and you and your kids, and you and your coworkers, and you and your neighbors. Just like leprosy breaks things apart, sin breaks things apart because of spiritual leprosy. And we can't clean it off. You can't bathe it off. You can't do enough good works. You can't become religious enough. You can't pray it off. Like, you've got leprosy. It's not going away. But Jesus can cleanse anybody of spiritual leprosy. And we have to understand the significance of this spiritual leprosy called sin that we have. Because a lot of us sit back and like, you look at the sinfulness of other people and you go like, oh, they're a bunch of lepers, man. Woo, it's nasty. And the whole time, you're not even looking at your own skin going, you should see how nasty you look too. We're all sinful. There was a 19th century theologian and a pastor named J.C. Ryle. He said it so eloquently. I just wanted to read it from his uh, thing here. He says, what are we all but spiritual lepers in the sight of God? Sin is the deadly leprosy by which we are all affected. It has eaten into our vitals. It's infected our faculties, heart, Conscience, mind, and will are all diseased by sin. Isn't that ugly and yet accurate? What's the ultimate result of our spiritual leprosy? Kept outside the camp. 
kept apart from God. I want to take you to the end of the story. Revelation chapter 21, verse 27. God is giving us a glimpse of the future heaven. I'm just plucked out one verse about that. It says, nothing what? Unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what's detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're all spiritual lepers. All of us will be outside the camp, which means all of us are not going to heaven because of our sin. But Jesus came, and Jesus died on the cross, and Jesus rose from the grave, and he made a way for the leper to be cleansed. He made a way for us to be written in his book. And when you believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, when you surrender your life to the Lord, your name, however God does this, I don't know, your name is now inscribed in permanent ink forever in the Lamb's book of life. And we're going to heaven. Isn't that something that should make you very grateful? Yes. And what I love, if you go back to the language of Leviticus 14, 19, looking at the priest. And we look at the role of the priest in Leviticus. It says, the priest shall offer the sin offering. Guess what? Jesus was the priest who offered the offering, and he was the Lamb of God, which means he's the offering. He's the only way for us to be able to spend eternity in heaven. He's the only way for us to be cleansed. Is Jesus willing? We should all, out of desperation for wanting to be healed, humbly fall before the feet of Jesus and going, if you're willing, make me clean. Is he willing? Yes. We can go over and over and over again through Scripture, but let's look at, let's look at one passage, Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5, here's what we see. I want you to read it with me. Ready? But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. You know what that means? Because he's got compassion and he loves you, even when you were a sinful leper, he made it possible for you by his grace to be cleansed and spend eternity in heaven. Can anyone be grateful for that in this room? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Jesus can cleanse anybody. Cleanse anybody. What a beautiful picture of what we've received as believers and what's available for those who are not. What happens next? Verse 15. But now, after all this event happens, even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. What happened? He heals this leper, tells him not to tell anybody, just go to the priest, testify to the priest first, get clean, and then we'll deal with it. What's this guy do? If you go to the Mark verse, Mark 145, here's what we see this guy do. It says that he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that no longer Jesus could open instantly into the town. What happens? This guy probably took 10 steps going, okay, I won't tell anybody. Okay, I got to tell everybody. And just, I'm, I'm cleansed, I'm restored. Jesus healed me. Like, he knows where this is going. He just can't, like, you can't blame the guy, can you? You know, you just can't blame the guy. Here's, here's the sad reality, though, to me. As I studied this and looked at this in the face for a while, Jesus told this man not to tell anybody, and then he went and told everybody. Jesus tells us to go tell everybody, and we tell nobody. 
The leper knew the good news. He knew he was cleansed. He couldn't help it. Sometimes I wonder, the reason we don't open our mouth about how awesome Jesus is is because you don't get what he did for you. You don't see the cleansing. That guy was more grateful because he got it. We don't get it. We're not grateful. Or maybe we didn't receive it, but we think we did. Because I believe that if you truly, truly get what Jesus did for you, you can't shut up about it. And there's proper ways to do it. You don't want to be like part of the jerks for Jesus ministry. I get that. But you've got to share in love. There's people that we know and love that don't know Christ. It's our responsibility to share with them so they can know. I love how this event concludes. The crowds are flocking to Jesus. It says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and what? Pray. I love this picture. Like, Jesus prayed. And the language here isn't like, oh, he did that every now and then, like an annual vacation. This was a regular pattern of his. The crowds would come, and he would exert himself. He would teach, and he would heal, and then he would retreat to, like, recharge, right? Refresh himself in the presence of the Father, the intimacy with the Lord. I love how... um, our brother Daniel Henderson, a friend who came a few weeks ago and talked about prayer, uh, there's always this kind of tension, like do we, do we just have prayer that's private or do we also pray with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Is it, is it private prayer or corporate prayer? The answer is yes. He said, it's kind of like which leg do you walk on? Well, you use both. And so you see Jesus here retreating for that private prayer, but then you also see him praying with others too. And so if it's good for Jesus, it should be good for us, right? We need to be recharged up. We need to be in the presence of the Father. We need to be refueled for mission. Uh, think about your cell phones. I'm going to guess you charge your cell phone one of two times. One, you plug it in at night so the charge is so it's ready to go for the next day. Or you plug it in in the morning while you're getting ready so that when you get ready to leave, you can grab it and go and not worry about the charge, right? So let me ask you, when's a good time to pray and recharge with the Lord? <laughs> Maybe in the evening as you're getting ready to go to bed, and it's like, Lord, be with me. You wake up, pray, plug your charger in, go, because the day's going to suck life out of you. And just like Jesus needed to go to the Father, we need to go to the Father. And so I love this moment because if we're going to be serious about the mission of Christ and, and telling, like walking in the cleanliness, like think about it. Jesus cleansed you, right? If Jesus cleansed you, guess what he's also done? He's anointed your ear to listen to the word of God. He's anointed your hand to serve the Jesus who's healed you. And he's anointed your toe so that you can walk in his ways. Good luck doing that if you're not plugging in your charger. You've got to pray. you got to be with the Lord to do the things that will come from those who've been cleansed. Just a few reminders of specific ways we're asking you, challenging you to do that as a church right now. One is um, we have... You know, outside of your personal time, we have times that we pray together. In fact, in your program, uh, there's just a sheet that reminds you of prayer gatherings that we have on a regular basis. We're trying to flood these times with brothers and sisters in Christ more serious about prayer. We invite you into them. We got people here at 7.15 in the morning praying for services. Every service, there's people praying. We need more people in there praying for what's happening in here. We've got uh, meetings throughout the week. Just, I encourage you, like, look at one of these meetings and say, you know what, I'm going to start showing up to one of those. Also, we challenge you to go through this little tiny book called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. It's got 21 devotionals for 21 days. We're about a week in as a church. Uh, Hopefully you've been enjoying this if you've been going through it. If you haven't, they're just a few bucks. Go grab one on the way out today. Like, don't buy your coffee. Buy one of these because it'll do a lot more for you than that one cup of coffee will, Okay. 
and, and just spend the next 21 days diving deeper into prayer with your brothers and sisters who are doing the same thing. Also, challenged you and invited you to fast once a week leading up to Easter. Because Easter morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about this Jesus who cleanses. And we're going to invite people. And we're going to have a lot more people on Easter than any other time of the year. We're going to invite people who don't know Christ to come and to, to come to Jesus. This leper, Jesus didn't find him. This leper came to Jesus. You, you guys heard about Christ. You, you came to him. Some of you need to come to him today. We're praying that people will come to Jesus that day. And so would you be so desperate for people to come to Christ that you'd be willing to go 24 hours once a week without food, just, just water, and every time you get hungry, just pray that people come to the Lord. And so we invite you to do that. A lot of us are doing it on Thursdays, so you'll know you're not alone, but if that day doesn't work for you, pick another day. So we invite you to do that. These are just some of the ways that you can retreat in prayer. But the big idea that we keep coming back to is that Jesus can cleanse anybody. Amen? Let's pray about that. Father, the first thing we have to say about this is thank you. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for taking our spiritual leprosy and cleansing it by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. For all my brothers and sisters in Christ here that say thank you in their hearts for that, Lord, I pray that they will let their ear follow your word and they'll spend time in your word. I pray that their hands will serve you as you've anointed them to do so. And pray for their feet to walk in your ways, not the ways of the flesh, not the ways of the world, but the ways of Christ, because you've cleansed us. Help us to do that. In fact, can you just take a second, and can you just thank the Lord for cleansing you? Just in your, wherever you're sitting, just there in your own heart, under your breath, can you just say thank you to the Lord? Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for new life in Christ. Thank you for breaking that addiction. Thank you for changing that attitude. Thank you for giving us a passion for life and for your kingdom. Also right now, names and faces of people who need to know the good news of Jesus, they need to hear. Would you just lift up one of those names right now where you're sitting? Just lift them up. You just pray the Lord will draw them to himself. Pray that the Lord will give you the compassion of Jesus that we saw in this passage. Pray that Jesus will give you the ability to touch and reach out to these people and to share. And if you don't know Christ today and you've come in here spiritually leprous, with sin. You don't have to leave in the same condition. You can come in here unclean and walk out of here clean because Jesus can cleanse anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done. You don't have to walk in shame. You don't have to hold your head down for the rest of your life. Jesus says, look up to me. So look to the cross. Look to Jesus. You can just say right now, you say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm broken and unclean. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I come to you right now to be clean.
And I commit my life to following you. Anoint my ear, anoint my hand, anoint my foot. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said together, amen. I invite you to stand as we continue to worship. If you gave your life to Christ today, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to walk with you. Would you take your response card and your program before you leave this morning? And would you mark down that you received Jesus as your Savior? Turn that into the baskets that are about to come around. Give us an email. Give us a phone number. We'll get in touch with you. Tell you how to grow in this relationship with the Lord because you came to Christ. The rest of us, let's just sing and celebrate about coming to Christ. Amen?